Bibles handy, we'll be doing um, a lot of Bible verses. <clears throat> Amen. At the uh, the end of July, the last, I think it was the last full week of July, July the 24th through the 29th, thereabouts, uh, Brother Cooper and his wife, so if you remember... He, he's the one that wore the, fan, the kind of the fancy suits and preached our missions conference a couple of years ago. Uh, my friend from Texas. They're, they're going to be spending about a week up here just kind of doing some uh, ministry de-stressing would be what I would call it. Uh, so uh, be looking, looking forward to them. I may or may not have him preach. I might, I might give him the break, uh, but we'll see. Just uh, looking forward to having them up for the week and hope they're able to get some rest in. So, all right. So baptism, baptism, uh, scriptural baptism is, is probably, we talked a little bit about uh, polity being a big difference, be one of the big difference between Baptists and most other religions, but baptism is the core belief, I mean, you know, it's kind of our name, we're, you know, we're Baptists, so it's one of the core beliefs of who we are uh, and definitely it's one that distinguishes us extremely often from a lot of other places. So the doctrine of baptism is something that's very important. Of course, the Bible teaches it. I mean, it's part of the Great Commission. I mean, it's all through the New Testament. So the whole purpose, we're going we're gonna to get back into this whole, the whole process. We're going to pick it all apart. It's probably going to take us several different Wednesday nights to do it. And we're probably going to pick it apart more than you even want to. But it's good for us to pay attention because sometimes we walk through the motions of something. And even, even in witnessing, so like, it's funny when I'll, you'll knock doors, and now you all know Mormons, when Mormons talk about, say that they're born again, they are literally referencing the time that they got baptized, okay, at, at their temple. Um, and, so, and they connect baptism as having something salvific to it, which means it's, there's something about baptism that makes you saved, Okay, now in the whole realm of how Mormons even think of that. But just for normal people, just for people, normal people, not the Mormons aren't normal people, that didn't sound good. For normal Christianity, okay, uh, in the great span of all things that fall under the umbrella of Christianity, uh, oftentimes when you're talking to someone about their salvation, their response is, oh yeah, and then their next statement will be, I was baptized, click. Say, that's really great. But when were you a believer? When did you become a believer? Well, I was baptized, and they, they, apply, they apply some sort of a regenerative process or regenerative action in baptism, and it's not there. And we're going to talk a lot about that, about what the Bible teaches, about what, what uh, is commonly known. We're going to look at some of those various things. But um, one, of the, one of the ways that baptism for Baptists has been... Uh, described is the water that divides the water that divides because it's it's uh, it's why we we were known for a while as anabaptists rebaptizers okay because people would come in and say yes i was baptized okay and then we talk about you know when did they get baptized well i was baptized here you know 1986 and then i got saved 1998 like that's backwards. That's not how that works. The first time you just got wet, we're going to have to talk about this. And, and, and I tell you, that I spend a lot of time talking to people about their baptism. Uh, just because it's one of those things, try to help them find what the Bible says, not what we 
because it's an event and it's a public event and often, you know, we invite family. I mean, it's literally how my family got saved because my cousin invited Uncle John and Aunt Jenny to come be at her baptism, but it was at a Baptist church and that's where they, they got to hear the gospel and got saved. But it was one of those family things, okay? And so there's, there's when it's an event and it's a ceremonial event, and it's a family event, it's an emotional attachment. And when you have to talk to people about baptism, and they're emotionally attached to that baptism, you have to be very careful and help them walk through the fact of emotionalism, or something emotional, does not make it spiritual. Okay, it's Wednesday night. It wasn't that hot today. Now, come on, y'all. We do have... We do have Brother Luke here. I'm pretty sure he can lead us in Father Abraham if we need to. So everybody kind of gather in, okay? So um, baptism even kind of encapsulates our belief. I mean, if, if you talk about it, we preach, what are we supposed to preach? The, the gospel, and it is the gospel. It's the whole gospel encapsulated. You have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Scriptural baptism, of course, obviously was practiced by first churches, early churches. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the way the Bible describes it. But because of, even in Acts 15, if you go in, and you can look at it later, but in Acts 15, if you remember that there were people who were believers, but they were still, they wanted things to be kind of more ceremonial, and they felt like the ceremony needed to be a part of their religion. And, uh, and it was an emphasis on ritual, like, you know, you still need to be circumcised, because that's, you know, if you're not circumcised, then you can't be saved. And there was some confusion amongst their belief and all that. And they kept connecting those dots. And we can look at, we'll look at some of that in the future. But eventually what that led to was baptism having a part because of the ritual and the connection. And baptism, believe it or not, having some kind of a weird connection in some people's mind with circumcision. That baptism became something that was necessary for salvation. Okay. So it became what we call baptismal regeneration, where if you're not baptized, you're not saved, okay? Which is not true. That's not, uh, that's not how that works. Um, but the idea being that baptism literally does the washing of past sins, okay? Is everybody following me along? What, uh, what washes away our sin? Nothing but the... Yeah, okay. We get wet up there. It does not wash our sins away. Baptism is important, and we're going to talk about that. Well, when you start putting baptism regeneration in as a doctrine, well, now, we got, now you get some other ideas, okay? Well, if it's just baptism, well, then why don't we just baptize everybody as soon as they're born? As soon as they can handle the water. And what do we call that? That's called infant baptism, okay? Or pedo-baptism is what it's known many times Pedo, not always, don't, don't automatically think pedophile. Pedo just means child, okay? So pedo baptism or infant baptism. Why don't we just, you know, we'll just baptize them all when they're kids. That way they're just all okay, okay? Or that there's one, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this. I actually have heard of this at least one time, what's called clinic baptism. Clinic baptism is, man, if it washes away all past sin, I, I want to live my life. So right before I die... I'm going to get baptized. Well, most people right before they die, right before they die, they're not exactly in the good enough shape to, you know, go back into the back, change their clothes, walk up the stairs, get dunked. And so what they do is they literally wrap them in sopping wet 
clo towels, essentially, so that they're underwater, okay? Um, or, I'm, it, it, the, the realm of clinic baptism can literally extend to being baptized like this right before you right pass away. Since it's taking care of all of my past sins, you know, I'll just wait till right before, like you know the moment you're going to die, like you're going to have enough time, you know. Car wreck, there's a ditch with some water, drag me over, I, you know, I don't know. That, that, you don't see that as much prevalent now, so what you do see is infant baptism, a lot of infant baptism. And then, of course, when you start, when you start baptizing babies, what mama really is thrilled? Now, I know that there's mamas out there who have water births. And all that. I'm not trying to go against that or talk about that. But what mama wants to see some guy take their baby and dunk him under the water? You know, all mamas in the room are going, uh, not so sure about that, you know. So convenience started coming in. Well, how about, how about if we just sprinkle we just pour some water over them, you know. I mean, it's just the fact that there's water involved. It's the water of life. I mean, you, some of you might see where we got there. So now we have infant sprinkling, you know, and now you've got the little baptism pools with the baby, and they pour the little water on their head, and, you know, and there's some other things. So it kind of got into some various, we got into some varied ideas about what baptism is and what it's not. So we believe there are four basic requirements, okay, four basic requirements for New Testament baptism. And these are the ones we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Okay? And, and all four have got to be present. Or it's, it's, not a, it's not a baptism. Okay? So number one, there has to be a, a proper candidate. A proper candidate. Now what does that mean? It has to be a... Anybody know? Yeah, they have to be saved. They have to be a believer. That's why we don't believe in infant baptism. Because an infant cannot be a believer. Now, a child can be, but an infant cannot. So a proper candidate, there must, they must be a believer. Number two, the proper method. Okay, well, what is that? The word baptize is a, what we call a transliterated word. It's one of those words that they actually didn't just... Uh, for most things, they would say, okay, here's the definition of this Greek word. Where's that definition match over here? Okay, we'll use that English word. If, if they would have done that, we would have had immersion. They didn't. They chose to use the word baptize, and I don't have a problem with that. The definition is still the same, okay? And it means to immerse, to dip. I mean, it's literally, we want to take it all the way back. It's uh, when the, the Greeks would make their arrows and they wanted to put poison on it, they would take the arrowhead and they would dip it in the bowl of poison. That was like the, one of the originations of the word, was to dip the arrow into the bowl of poison. So you get the picture, it's a dipping, it's a going down under, okay? So a proper candidate, a proper method. Um, number three, a proper motive. Understanding that it's not salvation, it's not regeneration, but it is a public testimony. Amen? <coughs> Sorry. It is a public testimony um, of what I believe and who I am. I mean, that's very much so. And then we also believe has to have proper authority. Proper authority, okay? So proper candidate, proper method, proper motive, proper authority. Okay, so like Philip, when he was down he, and he baptized the eunuch, remember he, he was out preaching from a church, had the authority of that church. So those are the four, the four things that we believe, Okay. This is, this is why when you hear me talking about history, I don't put Roger Williams as the first Baptist church because they weren't Baptist and they decided they were going to be Baptist and then they all just baptized each other and said we're Baptist. Now we believe John Clark was the first Baptist church and he had, he actually, they actually came from another Baptist church and had Baptist, the, the, the authority continued through and they baptized. So that's, 
Amen. John Clark has a great big place in Rhode Island history. So he actually, he actually if you look at just general Rhode Island history, John Clark is a big part of that. And he should be. Amen. Uh, maybe we'll talk about him someday. So, so the proper subjects. We're going to look first. The proper subjects or the proper candidate. Baptism is for believers. Baptism is for believers. Okay? Uh, that, that right off the bat wipes out a whole bunch of people that cannot be baptized. Okay? An infant who cannot reason out, a child, an infant to a child who cannot reason out salvation, okay, cannot be baptized because they have to understand what salvation is. We'll talk about that a little bit. Okay? An unconscious infant or an unwitting person, okay, well, we'll baptize them real quick. They're still alive. They're semi-conscious. We'll baptize them real quick. Well, that person is not giving themselves to that baptism. This is not a good, this is not a good way to go about this. Okay? As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of that. Proper baptism has to have a believer, the proper subject. Of, why do we say this? Well, New Testament examples teach believer baptism, and New Testament order follows believer's baptism. We'll look at that a little bit. So you all got your Bibles? You ready? So go to Matthew chapter 3. They'll start. We'll have two there. So now we're looking at uh, New Testament examples of believer baptism only. Okay? So Matthew chapter 3, go down to verse 6, and you understand this is, this is uh, uh, John the Baptist here doing his preaching. And it says, John, Matthew 3, verse 6, And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Okay, you see that? They were baptized, and right with that was they were confessing their sins. Now, to get the proper order, well, I've just done just a few more verses to verse 8, okay, where, where we see John requiring evidence of this confessing their sins before baptism. Look at John, verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. He required evidence of a true conversion before he would baptize anyone. Now, uh, many have taken this verse and have, have uh, done many things with it. It's possible. Uh, there are some guys who will not baptize someone until there's a, a lengthy period of evidence that the person is saved. Others will use this verse to say, we're not going to baptize you until you go through a, um, a series of discipleship classes So you make, to make sure you understand uh, it is true that most of the people that were baptized in the New Testament already had a good handle on Scripture. So there is a, somewhat of a foundation for that. But the other thing that we know of from the New Testament is when people got saved, they got baptized. Okay? Now, I, I prefer to do it that way, but I also want to make sure I'm not just going to throw somebody in the water without spending time making sure they, under, they have a good grasp of the basic, the basic understanding of what baptism is. Okay? Um, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I, have, I have been a member of and I've been to churches where they got saved and they got baptized and they never showed up at church again, ever, ever. Like, not just one or two, like whole bunches of them. I, I think I, I went to a very famous church down in uh, Longview, Texas, many, many years ago to a soul winning conference. Uh, just cracked me up, stepping out, of the, stepping out of the car to go talk to people about the Lord. And this guy saw us. And, I'm saved! <laughs> Running away from us. I already talked to you guys. I'm saved. Running full on the other way. He got saved and he got wet and he's not saved. I mean, it's funny. It is funny. I got to admit, I had to laugh at it. I'm like, what in the world? But 
He's going to have to have somebody who will take more time to talk to him later <laughs> to help him understand some stuff. So anyways, bring for, John here says, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. So he was looking for people who were believers who came confessing their sins and he would baptize them, okay? Which the confessing their sins, again, is showing their, that's the repentance. So Luke chapter 3. Again, we're going to look at the same basic text here. I'm sorry, this is Jesus talking, Luke chapter 3. Sometimes I'm in my notes and I'm not looking at the whole text here. So, Luke and chapter 3. Okay, so this is the preaching and baptism of John and Jesus is baptized. So look at verse 8. Go down to verse 8. This is John. He says, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Okay? What are we seeing here? Is we're seeing that it's being said that there were a whole group of people that believed their lineage was enough, their birth was enough. Okay, I was born into the right crew. Has anybody here ever heard of what's called covenant theology? I'm sure you've heard of the Reformed Church, right? The Reformed Church is predominantly covenant theology. Now, not all, but generally speaking, most Reformed churches and others are covenant theology. A covenant meaning that, meaning that if the parents are saved, then the kid's fine. Because of lineage, okay? The parents are saved, and here's John saying, no, I'm not going to baptize you. Your lineage is not enough. However you were born is not enough. There must be belief. There has to be a believer being baptized, not a believer's kid. The kid himself has to face God himself with his own answers, okay, has to be saved. All right, so Acts chapter 8. This, you, I quote this one a lot. You all know this is uh, one of my favorite One of my favorite gospel stories, Acts chapter 8. This is Philip, and he's he's now he he's talking to the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, he's uh, the Ethiopian. He asks him, "Understandest thou what thou readest?" And uh, this is a a high high official uh, for the queen, near as we can tell. And he says, "How can I, except some man should guide me?" So Philip gets up into the chariot and he, he begins to preach on him Jesus, starting through the... Now understand, all this, he didn't have the New Testament. It's not like Philip had you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? He, had, he had the Old Testament, and I think it was the, book of, the scroll of Isaiah. From the scroll of Isaiah, he preached unto him Jesus and led him to the Lord. Just an amazing thing. Okay, so here we are, we'll go down to verse 35. Kind of getting into the story. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture in Isaiah and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Okay, so he wants baptism. Okay, well, I'd like to get baptized. And Philip says, Yeah, one thing. Verse 37. And Philip said, If thou, what? Believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the the straight up. You realize that's where our faith is, right? Our faith is in Christ. 
Our faith is in Jesus Christ. It's, it's all of Jesus Christ. It's the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's the, the burial. It's his resurrection. It's his life. It's in him himself. It's in the Christ and the work of Christ. And he says, that's what I believe in Jesus. Or, I mean, Philip then, uh, they command the chariot to be still, verse 38, and they, they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, okay, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip. So again here we have, we have that thing. If thou believest, you can be baptized. So we have, again, we have that same thing. If you're going to be baptized, you have to be a believer, Okay. And, and the Ethiopian clearly expressed that. Some of you noticed, like, uh, just recently, Caleb got baptized. And I gave him opportunity to clearly express his salvation prior to baptism. We do that on purpose. Otherwise, baptism is kind of a pointless thing, okay? So we could look at Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Remember, the Damascus Road came first, okay? First he got knocked down on the Damascus Road. He became a believer. He showed up. Ananias was sent to him, and then he was baptized. That can be Acts 9, 6, 1 Corinthians 15, 8, um, Acts 9, 18. Acts 9 is where that whole story is primarily. 1 Corinthians 15 is where Paul retells it, I believe. Acts 10, 47. Let's look at that one real quick. Acts 10, 47. Okay, Peter's, Peter's preaching to... Uh, Cornelius here. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Is it? Yeah, Cornelius. Yep. Verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Okay. And then verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now, what's the indication that they're believers? They've received the Holy Ghost. Okay. There's no question there. Uh, they have heard what Peter has preached. They've accepted it. They, they receive the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, it said right there. Um, no, no, no. No, that's, that's not. I, I misread that. But yeah. Can they forbid water? They should not be baptized. So again, we have, a, we have someone who is a group of people who they're giving unmistakable, unmistakable evidence of salvation. And then they are baptized. So I'll turn over a few more pages. Acts 16. Acts 16. So go down to verse 14 and 15. Acts chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. They're, uh, they're down preaching, down on the riverside, and it says in verse 14, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, so Luke is with them, whose heart the Lord opened, okay, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, okay? So you see there again. So she heard and accepted and received what was being preached and then was baptized. Acts chapter 16. She heard and attended and then baptized. Acts, I'll just go down to the end of Acts chapter 16, down to verse 30, okay? Down to verse 30. And this is uh, Paul and Silas in the prison. Verse 30. And brought them out. So the, the, you know, the earthquakes happened, and they've, they've all been freed, and the, the jailer's about to kill himself because he thinks that all the prisoners have escaped. And Paul says, Do thyself no harm, in verse 28. 
And verse 30, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Now what does he need to be saved from? Now, it's, he's not just talking about death here because all the prisoners are still there. There's no death left. Okay? He's talking, he's talking to them about their salvation, their belief. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Okay? And they spake, they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straight away. And we're going to come back to this in a little bit because people get freaked out when they see all his house. But if you look at all the facts of Scripture... It has to apply also to this one passage. We don't take this one passage and then try to change the rest of the teaching of Scripture. Okay? So, so we'll be back here. They straightway uh, were baptized. So this is kind of where, again, where we get that idea, when they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to baptize them. Acts chapter 18, verse 8. Acts chapter 18. Another group. <clears throat> We'll just go to verse 7. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, so he's a, he's a Jew, okay, Jewish, probably like a rabbi or one of those, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing believed, so you see that, believed, believed, and were baptized. So again, now you're going, why are you going through all this? Listen, some of you here like, I've known this, I've known this my whole life. That's great. Could you ever take somebody and show them the verses? Now you got them. Okay? Here's why we believe this. You can say you believe it all day long, but if, if you're not using the Bible as your foundation, you've got a bad foundation. Amen? Amen? I'm not the foundation. <laughs> the words of Christ are the foundation, I, and I should be teaching this. So, and this is something you should also know. You need to know this. All right. So they were all saved after believing. Acts chapter 19. Let's go over just a little bit further. Acts chapter 19. So this is a group of guys who got good baptism for the wrong reason. Okay? They got baptized by, in the right place, hearing the right preaching, but they did not understand the whole, the whole passage. John had an off day. <laughs> You know, I don't know. Maybe John was tired. I don't know. So Acts chapter 19. Because, you know, preachers never get tired or worn out or miss stuff. Right? Okay. I guess maybe I should say amen on that one. And you, know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus... And finding certain disciples, so they're, they're, they're following, doing the things that they believe are correct in the Lord. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there even be any Holy Ghost. Okay, well the disciples all knew Jesus prophesied this. The disciples knew that Jesus had prophesied this, okay? And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul. Now he's not correcting a difference between real baptism and John's baptism. He's correcting their vision of John's baptism. Okay? Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So somehow in their process of maybe some religious fervor and turning over a new leaf and and following along with the crowd, they missed one of the points that John was talking about. 
They missed the fact that they were getting baptized, not because they wanted to turn over a new leaf, but because it was looking forward unto the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. And that Christ was the regenerative uh, agent, not the baptism. Okay, Not John and not the baptism. And it says in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This was all up their alley. They, they got it. They understand it. Yes, this is what I want. So they were not in their own heart connecting. Now, why would that be a difference? Why would we say that? Because none of the disciples were re-baptized, and they were all baptized by John. So John's baptism was correct. These guys just kind of... <laughs> which is, I mean, tell you, it just happens. I'm sure no one here has ever had a conversation where, like, you know, maybe with your kids where you're explaining something, and you really think you're doing a good job of maybe feeling like you've reached the communication level where you're communicating on their level, using their illustrations, and you think you totally got it, and then they repeat back what they said or that is borne out in their actions, and you find out that... And we say, went right in in one ear and out the other. And maybe it did, or maybe our words just went way over here, and it actually didn't reach. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes it happens. Now, we should try to not to make that happen, but sometimes, you know... My wife and I have had those conversations where we've talked about things and she was having a conversation and I was having a conversation and there the twain did meet. And we both walked away thinking that we had this all settled, come to find out a little later. Well, we just talked about that. When did we talk about that? When we were over there doing that. That's not what we were talking about. Well, yeah, it is. Because, you know. Okay, I'm seeing a few smiles out there. People kind of know what I'm talking about. So... So that's, I'm guessing that's what happened here. They had good intentions. They just, that some ships passed in the dark. And this, we're humans. God, God gives grace for that. It's amazing the people that I talk to that think if they miss something, that their, their whole Christian life is just destroyed. Like, huh? Where'd you hear that? Like, God gives you one chance. Ha! They missed it. <laughs> Judged. Done. I'm so glad God's not like that. I mean, I, I, think I've, I think I've told you before about the young lady I met who was convinced that it was God's will for her to marry this one young man, and that one young man married another young lady. And she thought for years, like we're talking a decade or more, that she had missed the will of God and was now a second-class Christian. That's baloney. If you think in somewhere in your past that you're a second-class Christian... You hear me? Because you missed something in the past, you do not understand God and His grace and His goodness and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's Christ's blood is very sufficient. It's completely sufficient. But anyways, I'm getting off. I'm getting off kilter. Amen. All right. So the, that's the, the the some examples that the New Testament teaches. Baptism after believing. Now, there's also just the basic order that we have. And some of these verses are, we've already done. The New Testament order in baptism teaches believer baptism only. In other words, when it shows an order, it shows belief and then baptism. Okay? So, how about the Great Commission? What's first, the teaching or the baptism? Yeah, teaching first. Teaching always comes first. Why? Because the evangelizing comes first. Uh, Mark 16, he that believeth and is baptized, Mark 16, 16, okay, uh, those things are all the same. Um, let's see, John chapter 4, we can look at that real quick. We're going to be right back in Acts here in a minute, but 
John chapter 4, I can read that one if you want to just turn back to the early chapters of Acts. John chapter 4, verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Again, see the order? He made disciples and then baptized the disciples. Okay? So there's there's a definite order there. Okay, now Acts chapter 2. Again, we're looking at order here. So Acts chapter 2, go down to verse 38. Look at the order. There's some that love to use this verse, and they just, for, for actually to support baptismal regeneration, and they skip the order. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then said Peter unto them, Repent, comma, and be baptized. It's not repent and be baptized. It's not all one thing. Repent and be baptized. What comes first? Repentance. Let's go down to Acts 2.41. Then they that gladly, what? Received his word, were baptized. So they received the word of God, that's salvation, okay? There was baptism, then look at it. And the same day, again, colon, notice that. I'm amazed how many people miss colons. Listen, the English language, punctuation means something. Well, maybe not so much anymore. But it, when, when, in, in this, when this stuff was written, punctuation had very rigid rules, okay? And so a colon means whatever is following has what to do with what, what was just directly said. Okay, so what was just directly said? They were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them, that's directly connected to baptism. Okay, that's the connection. It's not adding that as a third step in the process. It's saying that that is a part of one of the steps that has just been given. That's what, that's what the colon is there for, okay? So, so we have they received the word of God, salvation. They had, we have they're baptized, and then that's, that baptism resulted in them being added to the church membership. Okay, colons are a big deal. Pay attention to, to so you all know that verse, verse uh, divisions and chapter divisions, while extremely helpful, aren't exactly inspired, right? You all know that? It's not like Jesus said, verse, or God said, verse 23, <laughs> verse 24. That's not how that worked. We did that because man has a hard time finding those things again. We like having that, some, and thank the Lord for whoever did it. But sometimes a chapter will end and the sentence has not ended. Just pay attention to stuff like that. Sometimes a verse will end and there's not even a punctuation mark because the sentence isn't done. Uh, so and pay attention to stuff like that because sometimes I've seen people take like the first part of a sentence because it's in one verse and our one, preacher friend, one young preacher friend of mine preached the whole message and he skipped the whole second part of the sentence which was the next verse. Like, uh... There's more to the sentence there. We're not done yet talking. So, uh, and you know what? Say, well, I'm not really good with punctuation. There's lots of good, helpful books out there. I, just serious. There's lots of good, helpful books. And matter of fact, everybody in the world now probably has a phone. What does a comma mean? What does a colon mean? What does a semicolon mean? Those are all still, uh, it's worthwhile. It, is, is doctrine worthwhile being uh, accurate about? Yeah. Maybe studying a little extra, make sure we got... Okay, yeah, okay. I figured you all knew that. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. 
We see Philip again. One of those guys I'm looking forward to meet. Meeting in heaven. Okay, Acts chapter 8, go down to verse 12. Okay, this is a group of Samaritans, the people of Samaria, noted in verse 9. And verse 12 says, and, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Again, we got that good order. They believed and were baptized. If you can look, verse 13 has the same exact order. We don't need to go there. We could look at, we could look at um, Galatians chapter 3. Okay? Uh, we, come, we become children of God by faith, not by baptism. Okay? And then it kind of mentions in verse 27 that baptism is kind of where we start putting on Christ. It's kind of an interesting thing. We might teach on that a little later. 1 Peter 3.21, baptism is the answer of a good conscience. Well, where do you get a good conscience from? <laughs> from salvation. When you're, when you're clear before the Lord, baptism is the response of a good conscience to, to the Lord. Amen? That's 1 Peter chapter 3. So, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about infant baptism, so let's just look at that real quick. We won't be much longer. Um, see if I want to start this right now or not. Yeah, we, these are different arguments. So let's just go ahead and... There's several different arguments, so let's go ahead. We're going to start looking at the, a reply, a New Testament reply to, argue, to people who support infant baptism. Okay? Um, I think it goes without saying, the number one thing that we'd have to put in our head is babies cannot be baptized because you have to be a believer and babies cannot believe. Okay, you understand that? There has, to be enough, there has to be enough mental cognizance for them to believe. Now, one of the things that comes out about this, and, and I think we'll mention this down the road, is, well, what is the age of accountability? The age of accountability is when a child understands. And that's not the same for every kid. Um, I mean, I, I remember talking to Dakota. As a matter of fact, I think Caitlin Harris was the same. Was They had a very good grasp on all the details of salvation. Extremely good grasp on all the details of salvation. They knew why Jesus died. They knew they were a sinner. They knew all the info. But it was one of those things where they, they really understood how serious it was and they weren't willing to make the info personal. So you hear what I'm saying? So they weren't ready yet. So you just keep answering questions until find, you know, they come up and ask another question. Well, you know, well, why did Jesus have to die? And sometimes you have to answer those questions. Oh, let me just tell you, when your kids start asking questions, don't go, yay, and make them say a prayer real fast. Don't do that, Okay? Answer questions and keep answering questions and keep answering questions. God is patient with us. Let's be patient with our kids. A lot, of, a lot of parents, out of fear that their kids are going to go to hell, make their kids run through something so they don't go to hell instead of making sure that their mind grasps and understands. This is, listen, it's not between us and them or us for them from God. It's between that person and God himself and the, and the person of Jesus Christ. And, the, and every child has to understand that. Is everybody here? So be, beware of making people run through a prayer, especially young children, making them run through a prayer. Because, again, well, I said a prayer with mom or dad back then. Okay, no, make sure there's an understanding. Answer questions. Keep answering questions. Uh, I love little kids, you know, because, like, man, you could be having the most serious conversation in the world about sin, you know, and about the weight of sin and the guiltiness of sin and that this put Jesus on the cross. And then they'll say, I want some ice cream. 
What does that mean? Their brain's done on that part. It's time for ice cream. Don't, go, don't try to brag, drag them back into the conversations. Okay, let's, are we going to go do ice cream? Let's go do ice cream, you know. Let, let them bring that out. Let them talk about it. Amen. And then when they do have full understanding, you know it. There's nothing wrong with leaning a little bit every once in a while. So, amen. But God has a pretty good job of doing that all by himself. Amen. Um, I, from my perspective, Dakota, Dakota may tell the, the story a little different, uh, but Dakota, Dakota was fully aware of the whole process of salvation, and I won't tell the whole thing, but I just remember uh, I was in my office right around the, the time that the earthquake in Japan happened, and that nuclear reactor sunk, and that horrible tsunami came in, and, and um, I'm sitting there, and I'm, it's like, I don't know, before church, Sunday night, maybe an hour before church, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching all these videos, I had no idea. He had walked into my office and was like a foot behind me, quiet as a mouse. Could have shocked me when he spoke. I had no idea. Um, and if I'd have known it, I would actually would not have been watching some of the videos because it was showing people that were being overwhelmed by the flood. And I'm sitting there watching. And I'll, there's a little spot where this, I, it's some person pushing a stroller trying to race away. And this, this wave full of debris washes over and they just like disappear. The, the, I mean, they're just gone. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice, like, right here. I'm, I almost came off the ceiling and said, did they die? <clears throat> yeah, but they probably did. And when he saw how quickly that someone could be taken, he already had all the, all the salvation facts under his belt. It was all connected. His heart was broken to say, it's time for me. I, I need to... I need to make a decision on this. That was kind of interesting. So it's just letting, letting each child. Uh, Autumn is one of those where she, you know, her friends went down. She could answer all the right questions, blah, 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 blah. You know, because, you know, she grew up in a preacher's house. I was going to Bible college, for heaven's sakes. She knew all those answers. She was talking about it at the house. Us, us preachers answering each other, asking to answer each other questions for soteriology class. So she answered a lot of those questions, but it didn't, it didn't stick. And so she'd go down, she said a prayer because her friend went down and said a prayer. And you ask her all the questions, she can answer all the questions. A few years later, well, I really just went down because Rebecca went down. Oh, okay, you know what I'm saying? So, the, so sometimes, sometimes you just have to be patient with kids, let them go through that. So the New Testament, I, I don't know why we ended up down that way. Maybe the Lord needed us to run down that a little bit, so... Um, baptism has to be of someone who can be a believer. There is no scriptural evidence anywhere of an infant being baptized. It's not there. There's not there. There's one spot where the Bible talks about believing as little children. The little children obviously were old enough to believe. They had understanding enough to believe. So, um, I, we, we'll probably just skip on this, but there are, there's four basic ones. We kind of covered one already, that covenant theology. The, not, let's just do that one since we've got a couple minutes. So the covenant theology, the national church argument, okay? Usually this happens when you read the Bible and you try to spiritualize everything. You try to allegorize everything. Well, this really doesn't mean what it means. It means something, ooh, something else, and we have to discover what the mystical meaning behind the meaning is. Whenever you start getting into all that mess, what Jared comes up with and what I come up with and what Jerry comes up with and what Donna comes up with are going to be four massively different things. Okay? 
Because if it doesn't mean what it means, then it's all subject to my interpretation and your interpretation and your interpretation. It don't matter whether you feel emotional about it or not. Okay? So just let the Bible mean what it means. But usually it's a result of they begin to spiritualize the Word of God, and then Israel and the church start getting blurred, start getting confusion about maybe the one's the other and this one's that one. And, and instead of just allowing the Bible to define as it does quite clearly, even one time saying the Jews and the Gentiles and the church of God, Okay, it actually defines it three different ways, but anyways. Um, this covenant theology makes, makes the religion or makes salvation or the church more kind of a national entity, okay, or a worldwide entity instead of something that is a, 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 local, a local spiritual body, okay? It makes it a physical massive ent- entity. And of course, you start taking the promises to Abraham, they start applying to church, I mean, it just can get hugely confusing um, because in Abraham shall all the seed of the earth be blessed. And I mean, all this stuff, that can, it just means that all my kids are fine because, you know, they're a Jew. If you're born a Jew, you're a Jew. If you're born a Christian, you're a Christian, you know. And that, that, that doctrine tends to lean into that. So, and what baptism becomes is the replacement for Old Testament circumcision. So circumcision was the sign and seal of the covenant of the Jews with, with God himself. Okay? Circumcision. So baptism, if you're going to confuse the church in Israel, baptism becomes the sign and seal of a new covenant. Okay? You start getting the picture? We start getting this thing. Now here's, a prob- here's one simple problem with that. Um, I mean, not to be disgusting, but in the Old Testament, only males were circumcised. So does that mean only males can be saved? I mean... You, you know, does that mean only females weren't part of the Jewish covenant? You know, I mean, there, there are some things we'd have to, we'd really have to work on that. But um, to this, the Bible replies, number one, again, we go back to Luke chapter 3, where I already read it, where John says, you're trusting in your lineage, and I'm telling you being a child of Abraham is not enough. So that destroys lineage just immediately. Destroys lineage. There must, you must be a believer first, okay? And of course, Israel is not the church. Israel is not the church. If, if that's confusing to you, we can spend some time. We've preached on it much here, but Israel is, is an entity and the church is an entity, the two. That doesn't mean there can't be Jewish people who become saved and become part of a church, but God has promised, made specific promises to national Israel, and God is not a liar. I, I don't know how to say it. God is not a liar. Now, how that all plays out in the end do I think God's just going to force all Israelites to be saved? No. Salvation's pretty much been the same since time began. Some look forward and some look back. Some knew less and some know more. I think there's still, salvation is still going to be a, a part of that process, but there's the, there's the church and there's national Israel. And if, when you start confusing the two in Scripture, you're going to get some weird doctrine. Okay? You're going to start messing around with things. So Romans, the, Romans 11.25 is typically where we go for that, uh, that distinction. It's, again, why we don't believe just lineage does it, just because the parents are... And we can look at that passage later, which I, I believe we've looked at, that the, if, one, if the parents are saved, then the children are holy. Okay, we, I think we've even looked at that before a little bit. Hope that does not, it's not talking about salvation. Okay, um, But anyways, so where was that? Romans chapter 11, that's right. <clears throat> Okay, so Romans 11 here, he's talking to the Jews about the Jews, but look at verse 25. 
For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is, present tense, happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Okay? Uh, fullness meaning the, basically the, the, we're right now in the times of the Gentiles. Okay? The fullness meaning when, when our day is done. Okay? When, our, when, the, 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 when the Gentile, when the, the whole, the full time of their uh, ascendancy or them being the, the preeminent piece of the puzzle, of the overall puzzle, when that is done, that's when there'll be no more blindness to the Gentiles. So right now, national Israel has some blindness given to them. Don't have to say it. That's, and you can try to figure that out, but that's God's working. That's not ours. Uh, yes, Jews still do get saved, but look at national Israel. I look at Ben Shapiro, who is one of the smartest guys in the world. I mean, super, super smart. He knows the New Testament. He knows who Jesus is and totally misses the connection between Isaiah 53 and Jesus. How do you do that? Literally, how do you look at Jesus and, then, and believe all that stuff happened to Jesus, which he does, and then look at Isaiah 53 and not see the... Hello? The puzzle fits. That's because blindness has happened in part... To, to Israel, okay? So, it seems as if, and you can, you can read the whole 9, 10, 11, we preached it just not too long ago, is that God has essentially taken Israel and kind of set them aside for the time being. He's working in and through the Gentile nations, and, uh, but in the not-too-distant future, our part's done, believers are out of here, and God's going to start dealing with, with the Israel again. Amen. And the Bible, by the way, never confuses the church and Israel. And, and it never joins the two. And just keep, read, read through, look at that. I don't know if I can get this. Well, it's the verse. 1 Corinthians 10.32 is the one I just quoted. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10.32. So the whole covenant idea, this national church that I just saw passes through your lineage, is just, it's, it's, a, it's a mess up of how people looked at Israel and the Jews. Okay. It, the Bible is without question in the New Testament. If you're going to be baptized, you have to be a believer. That's the only prerequisite. Amen? You have to be a believer. It doesn't matter what family you came from. It doesn't matter what nation you came from. You have to be a believer, and you, and you should be baptized. Amen? Now, it's interesting. Well, we... We'll just keep, we'll talk about the rest later. Amen. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed, and we're going to continue. We've got three more points on uh, child or infant baptism we're going to talk about next week, and then we'll move on to the next portion. will be this, uh, 